0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported.
1: Community Radio for South Central Indiana.
2: Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young.
3: And I'm Marty Abadi. This is the WFHB Local News for Thursday, November seventeenth, two 2022.
2: Later in the program, the MCCSC School Board unanimously approved a recommendation to purchase the former Herald Times property for nearly $3 million. More in the bottom half of our program.
3: Also coming up in the next half hour, Bring It On's Clarence Boone and William Hosea speak with several local officials who recently won their elections to discuss the outcome of the 2022 midterm elections. But first, your local headlines.
2: At the Bloomington Utilities Service Board meeting on November 7th, Capital Projects Manager Dan Hudson asked the board to approve an agreement with Building Associates Incorporated for a filter media replacement project at the Monroe Wastewater Treatment Plant. Hudson outlined what the project would include.
4: And I'd like the board to uh, approve an agreement with building associates to replace the filter media at the Monroe uh, Water Treatment Plant. That also includes uh, repair of the concrete ceiling, replacement of the lighting, and replacement of the uh, air handling
2: system. The agreement is set with a not-to-exceed budget of $2,104,900. Board member Jim Sherman said it felt like a lot of money and asked if the price was reasonable for the project.
4: It it is a lot of money, without a doubt, and that's why we're closely watching this project. Uh, The air handling is really the expensive part. Uh, We thought it was going to be a a minor part when we first started, but the increase in supplies and equipment – within the last six months, have just skyrocketed the cost of that. And so really, that's, that's a majority of the cost is But is it does there.
5: seem reasonable to you.
2: Uh, it does. Uh, Board member Amanda Burnham asked if this was the second bid they had received for the project. Hudson said it was and explained that they rebid the project with a different design since the first bids came in too high. Uh,
4: the first one came in quite high. And uh, we had to rethink the design on it, which we did. We changed the air handling and and lowered the the cost. But still, it's pretty expensive, yeah. But it's a project that we sorely need. Those filters do need to be replaced, and we need to get our water system back on, you know, fully operational.
2: Hudson said the project is necessary to ensure they make OSHA standards. Board ex-officio member Jim Sims shared that he is concerned the project could exceed the budget.
6: That seemed like a large cost. And I'm not questioning that because it's probably needed. Uh, But what I'm more a little bit concerned with, or not concerned, interested in, is this bid is also not to exceed. And we've had several that were not to exceed
7: then for whatever reason, we've exceeded those. So do we have, what is the idea? bids that we have that are not to exceed, but we end up paying more?
1: City legal Chris Wheeler responded. Every single contract that we enter into, every agreement, every grant agreement, all agreements that the city of Bloomington, across the entire city, that they enter into are required to say not to exceed. And that requirement is a requirement that the controller's office has requested of city legal to make sure that it is in every contract. But that doesn't mean that from time to time, uh, once we get into a project, things that might've been assumed are incorrect or things that we didn't know about pop up and it becomes necessary for us to amend an agreement and increase the cost by a new not-to-exceed amount. Uh, So that's why sometimes, even though we do agree that it's not-to-exceed, there are times when we end up amending agreements and going beyond that original cost. And I'll say one last thing. The reason for the not-to-exceed is to ensure that if we don't like the way something's going, we can simply say no, and we're not going to pay more than we've already agreed to pay. And we have had situations like that. But this board has never had the benefit of seeing those things because it's never reached the point of being a lawsuit. We've simply told them contractually, you didn't follow the rules and we're not going to pay you.
2: The board approved the agreement unanimously. The next Utility Service Board meeting will be held on November 21st.
3: At the November 15th meeting of the Monroe County Community School Corporation Board, Director of the MCCSC Foundation, Cirilla Helm, gave her quarterly report.
0: Fall grant cycle just ended. Um, Actually the whole approval process just ended. Um, So excellent timing. Um, The foundation board today approved um, the grants that were as recommended by our great building representative committee. We funded 14 elementary library grants totaling $16,294. And we funded 10 curriculum enrichment grants and three Science and Environmental Grants, and those grants totaled 22158 So our total funding on the grants this fall is 38452 <coughs> We switched our cycles up a little bit. Um, we're not moving into monthly grants. Uh, there did not seem to be a strong amount of requests coming through for that. So we've decided we're going to do a fall cycle, and we're going to go again with a full-loaded spring cycle. So starting in January, our curriculum enrichment and our science and environmental grants will come back up. And in that round, we should have somewhere around twelve dollars or $13,000 to award out in that space as well.
3: Next, during public comment concerned parent Julie Hood explained that she wants to see a shift in
8: school start times. Hello, my name is Julie Hood and I'm a parent in the MCCSC district. I spoke at the September uh, school board meeting about The idea to switch high school and elementary start times. Since that meeting, I've done more research and I've come here today to share, um, I guess, the sobering fact I've learned. I reached out to the Indiana Department of Education Data Share program, and they were super helpful. um, And I learned that Monroe County Tier 2 elementary schools have the latest dismissal time in the whole state of Indiana. So, just to clarify and state that again, no children in the whole state of Indiana go to school as late as our Tier 2 elementary school students do. Um, so I just kind of came here to say that I think, I feel like we have to do something about this. We're asking young students who are like five, six, and seven years old to go to school until it's dark outside. And we're asking them to concentrate past 4 p.m. when I have a hard time doing that as an adult. Um, I truly understand that the busing system, um, is not an easy problem to fix, but the current system has caused tier two schools in Monroe County to be the only schools in the whole state asking elementary school students to go past 4, 10 p.m. So I do not think this is a great solution. Um, so I just would love to start the discussion about switching high school and elementary start times. MCCSC
3: teacher Paul Farmer said he's glad the referendum passed, which will raise taxes to increase teachers' salaries. However, he said public schools should have better funding mechanisms so that they don't need referendums in the future.
9: Just a couple of things. I want to say some thank yous. Uh, first of all, to Cirilla Helms and the foundation, uh, they are phenomenal and uh, appreciate so much that what they do for our teachers, our students and our, our community is, is just incredible. So thank you. really appreciate that. Um, the other thing I want to say is a, a huge thank you to our community. Um, last week we had the uh, passing of our referendum and uh, th- that was uh, an awesome thing to happen for our community. We've had it twice now. and This is the third time. And uh, we're incredibly, incredibly fortunate um, for our community. Um, if, if I understand correctly, there were eight of them total and only four of them passed in the entire state of Indiana. Um, and that brings up a, a different avenue, um, a different conversation piece, uh, that I know we've talked about this tremendously here on this board. Um, and a lot of us out here in the community have as well. Why in the world are, is everybody in the entire state of Indiana having to run these referendums because we shouldn't be. We should be funding our schools appropriately. Well, guess what? That started over two decades ago. Okay, Dr. or not Dr. Bennett, but uh, Mr. Bennett and uh, Daniels, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, the whole idea um, that that started with that um, we are not funding our schools. They literally told us, well, if you want the funding, then you go and get it. Well, a lot of communities can. But there's a lot of communities that can't, and you look around. At, at, and I know some of you are aware of this. I mean, uh, Brown County, they they lost their referendum. What are they going to do? That's a huge conversation right now. What's going to happen to their community? Uh, all around, there's a lot of our rural communities. They don't even try for a referendum. They, they just don't because they know it's not going to pass. That's not fair. You know, the state feels that well, it's equitable. We're giving everybody the same amount of money. We all know. Well, we have known this forever. The cost of educating our students in our rural communities far exceeds what it costs here in Bloomington or our other more rural and uh, suburban schools. It costs more money for them, but yet we're all giving them the same. So we've got a legislative session coming up Uh, again. Just want to keep reminding people that, you know, funding is important. Keep fighting, keep fighting for public education, and and keep fighting for appropriate funding for our public schools. So, thank you.
3: Then the school board unanimously approved a recommendation to purchase the Herald Times property for nearly $3 million. According to the school board agenda, the property would be used as a welcome center, meeting room space, and a location for building services. Following the approval... Director of Business Operations, John Kenny gave a presentation on the board's goals and priorities when it comes to funding. He outlined the first funding goal, which is to increase financial capital from local sources through community-approved initiatives.
5: The referendum passed by an overwhelming margin last Tuesday. We are humbled by the support shown by our community voters. Our community has affirmed their belief in the value of K-12 public education and in their support of the MCCSC. Since early summer of 2021, the MCCSC administration has worked to provide a carefully developed plan based on significant community feedback for a referendum that meets the needs of the district. We worked with the community and families to come up with a referendum spending plan at affordable amounts to meet these needs. Using existing funds, we are able to advance pay for teachers and staff immediately, as well as performing arts, STEM, and special programming, beginning with the 2023 2024 school year. In context, uh, inflation was a big issue uh, surrounding this referendum. As a reminder, state funding has not kept pace with inflation over the past 12 years of our two referenda. It is much more dramatic currently with inflation at 8, 1, 8.1% and increased state funding at 3.6%. Additional context is the fiscal cliff that's been discussed over the past year. Without the referendum and without budget adjustments, our cash balance would drop below zero in two years. 93% of the current referendum dollars go to teachers and staff salaries. Without this revenue, the district will ha- would have to reduce its budget by 7.3 million. MCCSE tax rates are the eighth lowest in the state at63 63, at 63 cents per hundred dollars of property value, which includes our referendum levy of nine cents in 2022. This is significantly less than most school districts our size.
3: Kenny walked through how the referendum would increase salaries and wages for teachers. He also explained how funding from the referendum would advance the school's district's strategic plan,
5: Salary increases of $4,500 per teacher make MCCSC more competitive in hiring and retaining teachers. We are boosting support for staff wages, hourly wages, by two and a quarter per hour to align with market rates. We have three examples of before and after positions in the district and the significant increase that it shows side by side in the, in the box to the left. Additional total spending of $1.2 million, uh, on special education services, performing arts, STEM, special programming, and other uh, support services.
3: The next MCCSC School Board meeting will happen on Tuesday, December 14th.
2: In today's feature report, Bring It On's Clarence Boone and William Hosea speak with several local officials who recently won their elections to discuss the outcome of the 2022 midterms. We now turn to an excerpt from WFHB's Bring It On.
6: For tonight, we turn our attention to several local midterm outcomes of interest for African-Americans. First, we're pleased to report that both Nicole Brown, incumbent Monroe County circuit court clerk, and Jennifer Crossley, former chairwoman of the Monroe County Democratic Party, and candidate for Monroe County District 4 council member, are both winners in their respective races. Another historic first occurred when Ruben Marte, was voted in as the first Monroe County Sheriff of Color.
7: We are pleased to have our three elected officials join us for a recap of their respective races. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to bring it on. Thank you. Thank you. We are wow, we are really just kind of a glow before we started broadcasting. We were talking, uh, we were talking about some of the Calls that have been made as of late and as of this broadcast, as we said, Nevada's been called, Arizona's been called, and so we're feeling pretty comfortable, especially in the Senate. The House is still (laughs) to be determined, Um, but it's still possible. Uh, Democrats may um, throw that Hail Mary and, and remain and retain control of the House, but we want to turn our attention to local races, as we said. And uh, Nicole, so congratulations to you! Um, thank
8: you,
10: thank you yeah. so much.
7: And Ruben, hey, you know, congratulations to you. And uh, Jennifer, congratulations to you as well. Nicole, ladies first. Let's let's start with you. What's it feel like?
10: Well, first, thank you for having me this evening. Second, I think every day is a good day to be a Democrat. But thank you for the um, sharing the news. About the Senate, and I think it's a great day to be a Democrat. Uh, I am one of those people who is an incredible uh, Ruben Marte fan, so I so look forward to seeing him being sworn in as our newly elected sheriff. And I've always been proud to be a resident of Monroe County, but this is beyond my imagination phenomenal.
7: Well, I I remember. Years ago, if I'm not mistaken, you were a deputy sheriff in Monroe County.
10: No, me? You no. Yeah, you weren't working. an even... employee at the sheriff's office.
7: Ah, okay. That's what it was. Um, but could you have ever imagined that one day you'd be seated where you are now and that Ruben would be seated where he is now?
10: Oh, no. And that's the kind of question that would make me cry. Uh, who, who would ever imagine a kid from Gary, Indiana, born to a single mom? <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Born to a single mom. Um, I I had really small dreams for myself. Uh, so this was never anything I anticipated or imagined, uh, but to be in a position to serve and to serve along incredible people like Jennifer and Mr. Rubin, it's 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 amazing.
7: Well, our our hearts are are very proud for everyone and uh, we're sitting up straighter now, and um, uh, tell us what were some of the challenges you, you experienced in in this race. Now, uh, let the listeners know you pretty much it was it was much anticipated that you would be triumphant, um, but tell us about some of the challenges that that you did experience there. Are
10: Nicole? you asking me? Yes, oh, ma'am. sorry, sorry. You know. Um... It's always a challenge to do the job and run for the job. Um, I was incredibly, incredibly fortunate um, this election season to be running unopposed. So I really tried to um, help the people that I knew who were running uh, so I could quietly donate to their campaigns and um, support their efforts and the space that might have been allotted for me i very much made it every effort i could to turn that spotlight on them so right. that they could get so that they could win their races and i i think that that worked
7: uh reflect back on your first uh, uh term in your role i mean you're an incumbent but tell us what that felt like to now enter into your second term
10: it's an incredible feeling. You don't do any of this by yourself. I'm surrounded by amazing people. Um, my first term, of course, you're learning so much and the learning curve is so steep. Uh, I, I can breathe a little easier now, but I'm a little busier now because once you get some experience, you're asked to serve in a lot of capacity. So, um, I keep busy with the legislative committee. I've just been appointed as vice president of the clerks association. And then there's that day job I have. So um, I look forward to my second term, just figuring all of it out and uh, setting the, setting the table for the next clerk.
4: All right.
6: Well Nicole, those are some uh, pretty impressive accomplishments, but one way for you to gauge that you've reached the official force to be reckoned with status is that you ran unopposed. They, I mean, the Republican Party didn't want to put anyone up against you for obvious reasons because you're a force to be reckoned with. So well, thank you. <laughs> I just want to say congratulations to you. And uh, I also want to uh, ask you to reflect on what came to be known as a real fear among Democrats uh, uh, about vote counting across the country, that you're responsible for the vote in Monroe County. But um, I I guess none of those issues uh, really came to be in Monroe County. But what are your thoughts about some of the other places, uh, locations across the country where that was a real threat? Even though for the most part, it really didn't materialize, but it, it was a credible threat.
10: It was. Um, it's incredibly fortunate that you have um, an echo chamber of people who are um, promoting the idea of voter fraud and, and making it difficult for clerks and election, elected officials who oversee elections to do their jobs. Um, and I certainly watch all of that. Uh, and as chair of the legislative committee, Make sure that I am advocating for things to be easier and for there to be common sense surrounding overseeing elections Uh, in Monroe County. Again, I'm lucky to have a phenomenal team. Uh, The 91 other clerks that I call my clerk siblings, we all work together and support one another. And I think that that's what makes it a little bit easier here in Indiana. Um, But it's it the promotion that there's widespread voter fraud just makes it a lot more difficult to do the jobs that we have to do and just kind of makes me sad.
7: You know, it seemed like um, around the country, people doubled down in a lot of cases to fix things that weren't broken. <laughs> but at least, at least give the illusion that we're on top of, we're staying a, ahead of, we're, we're being proactive and even to the extent that some of the citizenry felt they should sit out and pick up trucks with long guns and bulletproof vests and with their faces covered to ensure that people can get out of their car and deposit a ballot into a box.
10: Can you believe it? Can you believe it? One of the things um, in my role as legislative chair is that we are looking to um, strengthen and enhance leg- or penalties for people who do things like that. That if you are harassing, intimidating. Um, threatening to commit violence against someone who is working to participate in a free and fair election, that you should pay a penalty for that. its It's gone to the ridiculous at this point. Um, following people to their cars, learning where they live, harassing their families, threatening harm. It's, it's just beyond the pale at this point. And I so hope that we can follow the federal trend um, of strengthening those penalties so that people are not even tempted to participate in that foolishness.
7: We're And one last follow-up to that. Um, did you have special training for your workers? Uh, as far as what to maybe anticipate, what to do if something materializes, um, just going forward, did you have that special training?
10: Well, every poll worker in Monroe County, of course, goes through training based upon the job that they mm-hmm. do. I was very fortunate to have our veteran inspectors, and the inspectors are in charge at each polling site. And so they are very familiar with what to do should something happen. And we are incredibly fortunate in Monroe County, uh, even more fortunate now with Sheriff Marte, um, that we have the support of local law enforcement that if we call for any reason, they will be there. They will support us and we will not have that here. Thank you.
2: Bring It On airs each Monday at 6 p.m. on WFHB. The program is available online at wfhb.org or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Chantal LaFontante.
3: Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Mardi Abadi.
2: And I'm Cade Young. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program you can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org
3: the wfhb local news is also available as a podcast just search our call letters wfhb wherever you listen to your podcasts subscribe to never miss another local news program
2: stay tuned for big talk a one-on-one conversation with some of bloomington's most fascinating people coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio.